Hey guys, it's Adi Savir and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. A very special afternoon because we have Piri Wepu here with us. Mate, congratulations on retirement, if, that, if that's what you call it, and, um, and on an amazing career. It must be awesome that you've got the chance to actually say, I'm going to retire. Yeah, it was. Like, uh, I was in uh, Narbonne last season and... Uh, things didn't pan out the way I thought they would have and uh, so I thought well no point in hanging up the boots that way I might as well come home see if I can uh, finish it on my terms and I was lucky enough that uh, White Upper Bush were, uh, allowed me to, to do that which was good. Yeah because not a lot of players get to finish on their own terms especially in a professional environment where you have, you have chance of injury and, and contracts and, and all that kind of stuff so being able to go out on your own terms and finish playing a bit of Heartland footy um, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, well, I lost the love of the game while I was in France. You know, just the way that they, I, I guess, coach and uh, the, the structures that that they try and adopt are, are pretty, you know, oh, probably not what I'm used to. So um, it was good to come and play a bit of Heartland rugby and actually start loving the game again. Um, unfortunately, it was my last uh, last season, so you know, I'm just happy that I finished off. Uh, you know feeling the love again for the sport and uh, the the atmosphere, or the, I mean the culture of the team, uh, although the results didn't uh, go in our favour but I mean the boys were, it's exactly what I I remember sort of playing grassroots uh, rugby to be like you know, that that uh, club room sort of um, or the club rugby sort of uh, culture which is awesome It must have been cool for the guys around you too because obviously um, they're playing with an All Black who's won World Cups, played in France and it's an opportunity for them to learn so did it feel like you're you're giving back a little bit too? Yeah, I think you know, just a few of my uh, things that I was giving giving uh, insight to to some of the boys, I think they weren't really uh, expecting uh, to well, for me to say a few things like that you know, be up front and try and change uh, their concept of uh, how to how to look at rugby uh, and you know, a lot of the time is uh, you know, rugby can be fifty-fifty, and you just got to try and uh, make it sort of like 80-20, uh, 80 in your favour and twenty in the opposition's favour. So, you know, have them having that mentality to sort of switch from uh, having that fifty-fifty to eighty-twenty sort of percentages uh, was a huge uh, eye opener to them. And you know, we played some great footy sort of in the back end of the of the uh, campaign. Uh, you know, well, we felt we felt as a team that we played a lot better uh, than we did at the start um, in terms of how we wanted to uh, play the game and how we should have played it from the start, uh, you know, to, to, to finish. But, uh, you know, I guess those boys learned a few things and I, I also uh, learned a, th- a, th- a few things about a lot of them as well and, and the way uh, they play rugby. Yeah, pretty keen to learn a bit more about your career today, but just to move away from the serious stuff for a second, we're going to do a segment called Try or No Try. So we do this with all the um, guests on the show. So I'm going to throw a few things at you. You just need to say try or no try whether you agree or disagree, mate. So you down with that? Oh, sounds like I've got no choice. So yeah, sweet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go, mate. First off the bat, try or no try is UFC. Try it. Game of Thrones. No try it. Hold on. Why not? I've just knew... To be fair, I haven't watched a single series or an episode. My father is like a hard-out person that watches it. And I'm just like, what are you watching this rubbish for, mate? Only because I've never really sat there, watched it uh, myself. But that's the only reason why I say no try, because I don't really watch it. I'm with you, mate. I've actually never seen it either. But uh, next up, mate, pineapple on your pizza. Try. Cricket. 
Troy. You used to play a bit, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. We had a, uh, a summer team. Uh, yep. He was uh, lucky enough to get a few, uh, get one of the sponsors to help us out with uh, a few t-shirts and bucket hats and a couple of cold slabs uh, to to go uh, with us. So uh, no, yeah, it was good. Like it was basically a family and uh, close friends uh, team. We if we didn't play uh, um, cricket, we'd probably play softball. Uh, the boys sort of just had tunes at uh, every year on trying something different. And but so uh, yeah, we had a pretty handy, you know, cricket team. Not myself, but. Mostly others that that uh, competed in our team as well. A couple more here. Sparkling water. Try or no try? Try. WWE. Oh, that's a tough one. I'd say try because I used to watch it when I was growing up and I still watch a little bit now. <laughs> yep. Wise Park. Try. Try. Beautiful, mum. Glad you say that. So that takes us back to Wainui, mate. Um, can you tell us some of your early memories growing up, growing up in Wainui? Yeah. Um, well, I was basically brought up at the league club. It was like my second home. Uh, in Wainui, mum and dad both uh, worked at the uh, at the club, um, so I spent myself and my brother spent a lot of our time there. Uh, just well, mum and dad didn't really like me being there, but they had no choice but to have me there. Otherwise, they'd send me across the road to my auntie's house. It was just basically like fifty meters away from there. But um, yeah, no, I guess growing up uh, playing league in my childhood was uh, you know. Uh, a huge thing because uh, that's the only contact sport that we had when I was playing anyway and mum and dad well mostly dad pushed me in that direction but uh, I was just fortunate enough that uh, they never forced me to do um, a lot of things in terms of sport uh, if we wanted the opportunity to uh, play different sports uh, they'll support my brother and I and uh, made sure that we, they had the equipment or we had the equipment uh, growing up so but uh, yeah I mean being the ball boy uh, back in the glory days when they had the Lion Red Cup and uh, running out uh, Carlow Park uh, holding hands with uh, Ken was a uh, well I guess for me at the time was a huge thing you know see uh, our club doing really well in a, in a competition that uh, we thought was awesome for like kids in the valley uh, you know and we had like a lot of guys uh, that we looked up to uh, in that club and in that team, and um, you know a lot of those boys around my age still, you know, always, we always talk about uh, obviously the Lomax brothers, um, Jason Gilbert, Yogi Rogers, uh, you know a few of those boys um, went on to to, to uh, higher honours, you know, Zilla Maldies, Kiwis, and a few of the few of the boys actually went and played uh, in the NRL, which was a, which was a huge thing for you know a small community like Wainui, and I guess uh, you know seeing that happen, you basically wanted to try and um, be exactly like them growing up. And that was the golden era of rugby league in Wainui, wasn't it? The late eighties and early nineties. I think they played the Canberra Raiders one year, didn't they? Uh, I know they played Manly. That was at uh, Fraser Park. Uh, I remember. The, that game and it was awesome like uh, I think not only for even though Wainui got uh, a lot of points scored on them I think it was just a huge thing for the club itself and not only that but the league community in Wellington uh, to have a NRL uh, Australian team come over and play one of our local clubs they weren't professional at all um, like, like, like those those men were and being able to see them uh, play against the the guys of like Jeff Tuvey, uh 
Reggie and, and Co. So it was it was huge for us to, to, to see that and for the club to sort of um, have that have that chance to uh, play against a, a professional uh, outfit was was awesome. So for you, mate, when did it go? Obviously, league was your upbringing, but when did you make the transition at the union? How did that happen? Um, a few mates asked me uh, intermediate actually um, if I was keen to to have a try of rugby, and I was like, "What's that game?" <laughs> oh, oh, I kid you not, that was like, what's that game? And I was like, oh, I've never played it before, I wouldn't know what the rules are and things like that. So I had a, had a crack at it, thoroughly enjoyed it, but uh, basically because I was, uh, everything was lagging my, my time, I never really, you know, went chasing, you know, going to play club rugby or for like uh, at great age grade and things like that. It was more just, uh, whatever happened at school happened at school and I just try my best to whatever sport it was you know and when they, when the rugby came around I was like oh what's that sport what do we do what do you got to do and they said oh it's similar to league only with a few a lot more rules and uh, you don't play the ball and I was like oh yeah I guess I could give it a crack as long as you guys help me out so we had a few uh, training sessions and things like that and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it and sort of went to boarding school and that's when I basically spent the whole uh, season playing rugby because they didn't have league and uh, they kept a close eye on me because they my brother went there beforehand and he would he used to sneak off and go and play a league on the weekend like a uh, hitchhike and go and play league at some random league club in the comp in Hawke's Bay and so they kept a close eye on me and I basically ended up playing uh, rugby properly when I was at college uh, still didn't understand the rules uh, wasn't it wasn't until sort of like, I guess I left left college that I slowly, or even playing ITM Cup actually, to be honest, probably started learning uh, a lot more about the rules and uh, what you can and can't do. Uh, a lot, well, I get the understanding a lot better anyway. Um, so yeah, I guess I was I was like the the uh, black sheep in the family, uh, even though my brother played rugby, but he would always want to go back to league. I did too, but I got stuck at rugby and at boarding school. And I guess that, you know, um, mum and dad just said to me, look, you know, rugby's not everything, neither is league. Uh, you know, you make a choice on, on which path you want to go, go down and we'll just support you whichever way you go. And, um, I was just given a few opportunities sort of, uh, after, um, hurricane schools competition, uh, through Wellington, um, academy and also the hurricanes academy. And, I guess it, that's where it sort of uh, started for me uh, to start taking rugby seriously. Mate, Teoto College, who were your influences there? And um, I know one in particular said you used to feel a lot of... <laughs> used to stand out in the paddock and kick the ball back to him. But uh, look, Ricky's talked about you know his or his time with you and, and then obviously Billy, what Billy did for him too. But as a school, it's produced a lot of, uh, a lot of famous rugby players. But um, you, you must have enjoyed your time there. Yeah, I, I've always like everyone, everyone that I've gone gone back and caught up with uh, in my time when we were started at school together. You know, we always talk about the our days and being at college and what our favourite years. And we we all agreed that like in our junior years was probably our best. Um, you know, obviously uh, being the youngest, yeah, it's sort of like a respect thing to the elder, uh, the senior uh, kids at school, but. 
obviously you try and <laughs> test the waters a bit, uh, you get, get a bit cheeky to them and thinking because your brother's a bit bigger than you, you try and give them a bit of flack, but <laughs> they don't quite, uh, they don't quite uh, care about that. But uh, yeah, I guess you know we felt that um, my first, well my junior years was probably my best. You know, we used to enjoy a few things that uh, that were different away from uh, you know being being back home. Um, you got to spend a lot more time with uh, your peers in your age group, um, but you also got to uh, mix and mingle with a few of the few, few of the older students at school. And uh, like you said, flutes, <laughs> flutes uh, used to take me down to down to the uh, first fifteen field, uh, which was sort of well, I don't know what it's like now, but when we were there, it's sort of like off limits unless you're in the first fifteen. Um, but lucky enough, he's, he was at, in the first 15, so I was allowed to go down there and uh, I'd kick the ball back for him uh, when he was practicing his uh, goal kicking and things like that. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't just him. Like, uh, obviously, you had there's a lot of old boys that sort of uh, done really well. Uh, some some may not have made uh, All Blacks, but, you know, for us to see um, older players uh, that achieved um, something so special, like even just to play for Hawke's Bay, um, New Zealand Maldives, uh, you know, it's always a big thing uh, for a student that uh, goes from uh, like a small, I guess, you know, our max when I was there in terms of the role was probably about 240 and that would have been my last year there. Um, so we're small, like, you know, in terms of numbers wise, small school. Um, and when you find um, someone in, 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 the, uh, in the school that's done really well, uh, you know, he hasn't just represented himself. Uh, he's represented all the uh, older students that have uh, represented this or uh, gone to the to the school, um, which is a huge thing for us. You know, you wouldn't expect it for sometimes. You know, the school role might be only like a hundred uh, at our at our school, and you know, you're trying to get your best uh, first fifteen out there, and some of them might be four formers um, that have to fill in the boots of uh, being a senior at the time. So, you know, I guess you know, for us it was it was huge and. Uh, for for me, following uh, flutes down to here, down to Wellington, was was even cooler. Uh, you know, spent a bit of time with him when I was at college, um, and uh, managed to follow down here and uh, you know sort of play side by side uh, next to him uh, on, on the footy field was uh, you know even better since I never got to do it when we were at college, and uh, that was pretty uh, amazing for you know, for someone that's come from a small school to be able to. Go go a bit higher from uh, just uh, rugby or oh, rep level to uh, to ITM Cup and things like that. So it was cool. And uh, talking about your time at TA, mate, how special were those memories of those traditional matches where you'd have the school out doing the haka? We see Hatupora and and of course TA. You know, it's synonymous with those schools. How 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 memorable were those moments for you? Yeah, the, uh, I guess I never really thought it was that uh, that special until I actually got to. Do one back in my my fifth form year uh, at, at Teotihuacan for a traditional game, and you know, just sort of trying to um, challenge the opposition uh, in terms of how uh, we wanted to end in the haka and and well, on our terms. But a lot of teams are trying to do that uh, these days in terms of like traditional rugby. They want to try and finish the haka on their terms, uh, so they try not to. Um, Beat or let the opposition uh, finish first. They, try, I mean, let them finish first rather than us. And uh, you know, going from that, doing that traditional sort of 
visiting Haka to the opposition, like even Palmy Boys and Hatapolda, um, St. Stephen's as well. I, I think, you know, it was a stepping stone to when I did get the opportunity to do it with the All Blacks. Um, no, I absolutely loved it, even though there wasn't many teams that would uh, do it back unless they were the Pacific Island teams or uh, the lucky opportunity against uh, Munster when uh, the Kiwi boys decided to um, do one back at us. Uh, was, you know, always special. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I just felt like it was a part of our our culture and our, our country uh, to, to be able to do that and then uh, you know, go to, to the AB's camp and uh, show the world that that's how we... Uh, Start our games is on our terms. Can I can I ask a quick, just a slight segue? But you're part of Kapunga when there's a bit of chat about changing the hacker and um, there was oh, not controversy, but it was it was a big deal, right? You know, they've been doing Kamate for a long time, and, um, and and I guess you were a part of the team at the time. What was the feeling, and and how did that process work? Uh, <clears throat> I remember was it 2004 for India Tour, um, the leadership group that we had uh, at the time, guys like Tana, Anton Olivenko, um, sat down, I guess, with the three wise men at the time uh, and basically said that they wanted to start their own, do their own haka that was basically just the All Blacks haka. Um, because a lot of teams are, I mean, there's a lot of international teams, New Zealand teams that are doing kamate, um, and they wanted to have their own one uh, specifically for the team itself, and it wouldn't sort of um, take over uh, kamate. Uh, it was more like a, a, the brother to to uh, kamate kind of kind of thing, and it was, I guess, for for those leaders at the time. Uh, trying to figure out what that was and, and the legacy that they wanted to leave within the jersey as well. Um, so that, yeah, they got together, I guess, as a leadership group and uh, got Derek Lardellian um, and composed a couple of pango. And when I first got into camp and they started saying, I was like, hey, what's going on here? Sort of sort of thing. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty mean. Got a new hucker to, uh, to, to learn and... Uh, but they just weren't sure when the right time was to do it, uh, and when they would, you know, do this uh, do this new haka kapo pongo, whether it was going to be India tour or uh, the following year in 2005 when we did show everyone um, the the new one. And uh, I guess you know everyone wasn't really expecting um, something different like that. But uh, I mean, the only only uh, way to do it is to just don't worry about the uh, comments. You know we're out there expressing ourselves and doing doing what we need to do as a team to prepare ourselves for prepare ourselves for a game, and um, that's where basically it all started. And obviously, there's the old uh, slit of the throat um, that uh, a lot of people were talking about. That's quite controversial, but I mean they tried to change it, but I just kept it myself at the same. I, I never changed it right from the go. Yeah. As soon as we t- they said to us to. We, Doing that gesture there, I was like, yeah, I'm not changing it. They tried to make us change it, and a few of us was just like, no, nah, mate, we'll just keep it how it is. I really don't care what other people say about it. I mean, uh, being a, a Māori myself, um, you know, when you do haka, you do it for a reason, 
and it's to challenge opposition. It doesn't matter what people are saying uh, about the whole whole thing. Of course, you're going to get people bloody that will have their comments and things like that. But at the end of the day, we just got to focus on what we what we can control, and that's ourselves and what we do, and uh, go through that and make sure that we do it do it for the right reasons. Hey, while we're chatting about the hucker, mate, um, could you just name some of the All Blacks who have, I guess, given the best, almost passionate hucker? I mean, Wayne Shelford springs to mind as being a fantastic leader of the hucker. But who are some other players, do you think, led it with some great passion? I've actually quite enjoyed uh, TJ, actually, uh, leading the hucker uh, more recently with the, with the boys. And um, Liam, Liam was doing a great job. Uh, I enjoyed when Rico and Jose were leading it as well. Um, I remember actually when uh, Rico was leading it and we were doing a um, couple of pongo and I said to him, bro, when I'm down on the ground, bro, pull my head up, slip my throat and throw me down on the ground and I'll pop my head up and just do a mean poo kind of and he goes, bro, we can't do that. I was like, bro, why not? We're expressing ourselves, bro. Don't worry about what anyone's going to say, bro. We'll just do this. This is what we're going to do. And uh, he didn't end up doing it. I was like, oh, I need to find someone that will help me out with this. So I never managed to, to do it. Um, but uh, no, I, I guess, you know, I enjoyed uh, Buck, definitely. And probably uh, Liam and also um, TJ at the moment. All right, who's the worst? Who's the worst? There's yeah. never a well, well, not, not So it's not worse. It's, it, who tries the hardest? Probably puts a lot of effort in. You know, you know what I mean. What, at doing it or leading it? <laughs> bit, bit of both. At doing it? Charlie Williams did an amazing Krakana, didn't he? Oh, I always used to tease him because every time he used to do it, he'd always look up the sky first. And I'm like, mate, they're not up in the air. They're right in front of you. <laughs> and he always used to say, but just shush, bro. Just leave me. This is me. This is what I do. I say, I know, but they're in front of you, not up in the sky, bro. Um, I wouldn't say he's the worst, but he just doesn't do it like full on as probably Hori, Andrew Hall. <laughs> Uh, he's one of those guys that used to just always sit at the back, didn't want to come to the front, and even though no matter how many times he's done the hucker, he was just always sit at the back. Him and uh, Tony Woodcock, probably the most the funniest to watch when we do practice, would probably be uh, Brad Thorne, because like um, we used to do practice, we used to practice quite a bit. We'll probably spend like maybe half an hour, forty five minutes on practicing the hucker, just so that everyone was uh, all good on it especially the new guys and uh, what I'd do is I'll make the boys face each other so we have two lines and usually the hardest thing to do is when you perform a hucker to your mate you can't like you know it's you can't but a lot of boys just do it because they they find it that your mate opposite you he's probably doing it pretty mean but you're just laughing at him because it's actually your teammate but I said to them this is going to be the hardest way to do it like it's right to do it to someone in opposition but if you can actually nail it and do it to your, your mate in front of you, uh, you'll be pretty mean at doing the hucker uh, after that. So I'd always like uh, walk down the line, but Thorny would always be at the end. And when I'm when I'm leading it and I'm watching, I'm, I just I always keep an eye down the end because I know he's yeah. down there. And I just always go to him after. I was like, bro, can you stop laughing? He goes, I can't help it, pal. He's, I know he's my teammate. I said, I know. That's the reason why we're doing this is because if you can master it. Right here in front of your teammate, you'll be able to express yourself a lot better when you do it to someone, you know, in the opposition from another another team. <laughs> I just can't help myself. I'm trying to be real serious and I can't help it. I was just like, oh. Brett Thorne, he's now coaching Queensland. Why is that guy so special? Did you spend a lot of time with him? Yeah, uh, always. 
uh, spends a lot of time with him, and uh, we'd always have competitions, man. Because <clears throat> uh, when he came back to rugby, and he came back into the ABs camp, used to spend a bit of time with him and chat to him and things like that. And then um, he brought up this stupid competition between me and him on caps. So usually on the bus, uh, the more caps you have, the further down the the bus you go. So me and him were sort of like close to the middle, around the middle in terms of caps, and but he'd sit in front of me. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Sit behind me. He goes, no, no, no. you got more caps than me. I said, bro, you're older than me, bro. Caps don't mean nothing to me. You're like a bit older than me. I shouldn't be sitting by, you know, behind you. You should be like uh, back there a bit more. He's not. Nah. You've played more caps than me, so uh, you sit behind me. But when I start getting my caps up, look out. So we, <laughs> when he started uh, overtaking me, when he got his first cap uh, past mine, I was, I was absolutely pissing myself laughing at him. He's like sitting behind me. He's like right behind me too. He's like shaking my my shoulders. He's like, yeah. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, i got one more than you, one more cap. I was just like. Can you stop talking like you've uh, lost your uh, your voice box, mate? <laughs> <laughs> did, it, did anyone ever have a crack at the back seat when you were in the team? Or was that long gone? Nah, that was long gone um, when I was there. We did joke one year and pretended that we, we were going to charge the back, back seat, but uh, no one sort of – I guess we've never really had that uh, mentality to do it, actually. I think it was a bit more before, before we started and – uh, the culture of, uh, uh, I guess, being in the bus like that was uh, probably those sort of, that was their mentality back then. But now it's sort of like, you know, you can come back to the back seat, but you got to talk about, it's got to be specifically about whatever um, group you're in. If you're in like uh, entertainment, um, music and things like that, you've got to, that's the only time you can sort of go back there. You, but no one really tries to challenge uh, anyone down the back anymore. Who was your who was your favourite DJ mate out of the team on the bus? DJ, mate, I got stuck with the music by myself. To be honest, um, a few of the boys would, that that was in my uh, group, um, they would uh, just let me. They would just leave it to me, and I'd always have like a group, like a change. I would wouldn't just keep it to like hip hop and R and B. I'd actually make sure that there's a song. The list plays goes from like uh, old school uh, hip hop, uh, bit of country, um, just even a bit of like I wouldn't say heavy metal, but like music that the boys like ACDC or you know things like that, where most boys uh, enjoy it, and that most of the songs needed to be um, songs that everyone knew that they they'd like uh, sing along to, um, and it would be just go on like that. It took me ages though. And then the boys would just look at me like every time I go on the bus, the boys would look at me like, so, playlist? And I was like, Did you, have you not been doing a playlist? And I'm like, nah. So I'll just give it to them and I'll just say, that's the song that we finished on, play the next one. <laughs> so I'd probably have like a, a list sorted sort of like for three days, um, you know, in terms of the playlist for the bus, uh, changing rooms and things like that. But then when you get to the changing rooms, most of the boys are sort of don't really care what music's playing. It's just as long as they're having a good time and... Uh, chatting to each other. Mate, we can't go past the 2011 World Cup because it was a, it was a strange time. It's strange in the fact of what actually happened and then there's been movies made and it was a pretty big time for New Zealand, but it was a pretty big time in your life as well. And um, 
probably <laughs> change things a little bit for you too. And and um, and, and also um, in terms of your career, probably maybe the highlight of your career as well. Um, yeah, pretty much. Like uh, I, I guess you know the toughest part was being able to having to um, slot into uh, some boots that no one really wants to slot, uh, slip into DCs. Uh, in terms of like trying to um, direct the team and uh, make sure that the team um, is in the right direction, headspace, um, positivity, and things like that. So it was a, it was a, I guess you know, I remember it uh, up at Rugby League Park when it happened, and uh, we we're trying to hide them from the media because it happened and they were all around at the time and we were standing around like, oh, what do we do? So we got him into the change rooms and um, had to make a few few changes around uh, the game plan. And uh, usually we have <coughs> we have um, eight mini units, so the inside backs, so the nines and the tens, basically the organisers. Um, we talk about um, the what ifs that might happen in the in the game or leading up to the game, and that was one of them. Him um, basically going down uh, either at captain's run or. Um, the day the day of of the game and our walkthrough or in warm up, um, what do we do? And uh, you know, just as long as everyone's on the same page, and um, I think that's probably one thing that helped us out during that period of time when um, when Dizzy went down and got injured was having everything set in place between myself, um, Jimmy, Andy, you know, Slady as well. Um, even when uh, Azza came in and also uh, when Beaver came on, uh, came into camp, you know, it was having all those boxes ticked um, way before anything happened. And uh, I, I guess for us it was, it, it helped us in terms of our confidence and just playing rugby rather than going out there and, oh my gosh, he's gone down, what do we do, what do we do, sort of thing. So we've had it all covered um, before we even crossed the line to, to play footy. And I guess, you know, it helped me, uh, especially with uh, having to slot into 10 at, uh, at the last sort of, at the back end of the, the comp just to cover as well, um, you know, playing against Canada and Japan, um, just to help out with, uh, you know, that that purpose, what if, and I think uh, the ideas that came through throughout that campaign, especially from Smithy and, uh, and that, in terms of those what ifs and how how do we uh, rectify those those errors that that might pop up was was brilliant and uh, you know it showed when Dizzy did go down and then Slady went down uh, and then when Azza went down um, how easy it was going to be for whoever was in in those boots at ten um, or even at nine that uh, you just go in there and you play rugby everything's pretty much organised every everything's pretty much set. All you have to do is just whenever you want to have a crack, you have a crack and we've got your back uh, sort of thing. And um, that was pretty much how everything evolved. And um, I was just gutted at the b- sort of uh, against Australia, and, uh, especially in the, f- in the final against France. Um, the old groin was uh, getting a bit tight. Now, I'm not one to um, practice my goal kicking at all. I do my goal kicking on game day um, and I only do that because I figured out probably about four years beforehand, um, what I was doing wrong with my goal kicking. So I didn't need to practice it. Otherwise, I would have just got frustrated with, my, frustrated with myself uh, during the week. And um, I did that once 
uh, in 2010, I think, before the World Cup. And uh, I would probably kick like two out of 30 the day before in captain's run. And woke up the next day and I'm like, oh my gosh, we've got a test today. And I'm like, Smithy, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, did you not see me yesterday? And things like that. And then um, after that, you know, I managed to kick maybe six out of six or something like that. And we ended up winning it. Um, and I just, ever since then, I'm just like, I don't want to practice anymore. I don't want to do Mate, when did the groin actually go? Like, did, did it, was it in the warm-up of the final? Yeah. So I was getting these, I was getting these looks every week, like the last two weeks, so in the semi and final from Smithy that I needed to practice my goal kicking. And, uh, our, well, Mick, the kick, uh, our kicking coach knew that I didn't, uh, didn't do, uh, practice during the week. That I, if I needed uh, to ask him something on game day, um, he would say exactly what I was thinking, and then I'd basically carry on my, what I was doing, and I was confident enough to make sure that I knew what I was doing. So it started getting tight, sort of uh, leading into the semi-final, um, and a few times I was compensating because uh, I didn't want, you know, to to tear my my groin, and then uh, so after the quarter-final, uh, semi-final, I. Uh, Tried to uh, make sure I was fixing, or oh, keeping my groin, uh, or f- taking the right actions to make sure I was fine for the for the final. And then in the final, I could tell, like I w- went through a pretty full on uh, warm up to make sure that I was okay to to start kicking, and then um, got to my goal kicking, and she started getting tight. And I was telling Mick, and Mick was like, "We got to go inside." So we went inside, and I just probably in there for like five, five, five minutes I think and they were just uh, George was sort of stretching my uh, groin and massaging just to try and lengthen it uh, lengthen it out a bit um, and then yeah it didn't come right at all and I was uh, trying to every time I was trying to kick I just would be too sore and I was just scared that I might pull my groin um, and I'd, I'd be no good for the rest of the game so that's uh, probably the reason, main reason I uh, wasn't kicking so well in the sort of in the last two games, uh, in terms of my percentage-wise. Anyway, uh, it was probably because of my groin and uh, not being able to, full, I guess, pull through of the proper technique. That's um World Cup final. I've never been so nervous in my life for eighty minutes just watching on TV. But mate, how how was it with you playing in that game and being on the sideline there? Oh, yeah, it was frustrating. I guess you know. Uh, we knew that because we played against the French earlier on in pool play, and we knew that when you play them twice, they're going to be a lot, lot better and a lot physical um, than they were the first time we played them because they'll be more prepared. And uh, it turns out we we're, you know, we we're pretty much right. You know, they came uh, to the party in that in that final. Obviously, you know, they got the upper hand right of, right from the outset with the uh, flying V that they had, uh, challenging us at the at the hucker. Uh, you know. I think they did that in 2007 too, uh, in in Cardiff. You know they stood up against the boys um, in, in terms of uh, challenging them at the Haka, and uh, I think they thought they might have uh, used that as a as a a sign to try and uh, catch us off our game. Um, but I, I guess you know we tried to stay as calm as we could. Uh, I know everyone else that was at the stadium and watching. Wasn't that calm, uh, wasn't that calm, or well, as calm as we were? But uh, I, I guess you know, 
the majority of the time we basically made sure that we we went through our processes to make sure uh, we got the right outcome for us. And you know, if nothing's going going to uh, to our favour, we'd always go back to the process and make sure that we uh, push that so that we could get the right outcome, whether it's like uh, right into the field. Um, you know, sometimes you might uh, not go into the ruck and, and challenge for the ball. Um, and you might just wait, uh, just to just to get our confidence up in terms of our line speed um, and things like that. And when they don't expect it, someone will go over the ball and we get the ball back, sort of thing. So we'd always stick to um, our, our processes uh, throughout the game, and uh, that was probably driven through the week. You know, make sure we go through the process every time. You know, we've all got our own process in terms of like, well, a lot of boys, if there's scrum, you know, they've got checklists, uh, props do, you know. Uh, what, how they want to get into the engagement uh, and things like that, or the lifting, uh, you know, having the right technique, um, trying to beat them in the air, and, uh, and and so to speak. So everything we had, there was always a process to uh, make sure that we we come out on top uh, in terms of the. It might be a small small uh, small game for us, but uh, to us it, it it's a huge game um, in terms of the outcome of, of the game. So. We just made sure that, like, we went through the process. Everyone was calm. Everyone knew what the, what they were doing, and uh, yeah, she ended up being a title uh, tussle right up until the last minute. And winning a social game of club rugby, right, which I play occasionally, pretty good atmosphere in the dressing room, mate. What was it like winning the World Cup? Yeah, well, just a sign of relief, really. I, I guess you know Richie probably said it best. You know, um, to Ali, uh, we done it. You know, I guess those boys were in 2007 in that crew um, when they uh, tried their best there and uh, it didn't quite work out. And for them to learn from four years later from uh, what happened in, uh, over in Cardiff was uh, was huge. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess the boys were just sitting there. You know, we were enjoying it at the same time, but, you know, there was always that uh, relief, uh, you know, to sit down. And um, basically enjoy what's just happened and, and actually let it sink in. Uh, I think, you know, and I think before I even got out, uh, I got into the changing room, you know, I was just enjoying walking around the field with my, do- my daughter at the time and just waving to people and thinking, wow, we've actually, we've done it. We've finally done it. Um, it hasn't quite sunk in yet, but uh, I'm glad that, you know, uh, we got to the, we came to the uh, to the party and we we done the business right at the end there and um, you know and I think it was just a great great atmosphere to be a part of um, right from the start actually before I think it was before majority of the team started coming in uh, the atmosphere was slowly picking up and it was great you know people were coming in from overseas to um, experience what it was going to be like the whole uh, vibe. Um, and, and things like that, even like some of the little towns that they were lucky enough to have um, some of the some of the teams stay uh, around their around their towns and and enjoy uh, the whole atmosphere that they brought, it, whether it was uh, us or the English team, the Pacific Island teams, you know, everyone, all the teams that were out in the uh, little little communities and things like that. Um, they may not know it, but it was a uh, it was a huge thing for for a lot of those little little townships for to have them to host them 
um, or even just to have them pass through was was huge. So the whole atmosphere throughout the whole campaign uh, was awesome, and for it to finish like that at home was probably you know icing on the cake. I don't think you can sort of ask for a, for a great ending of a campaign, mate. Moving on, and you you've won World Cups. You played in France, and you you played some Heartland, and you've decided you're going to give coaching a crack, and you're coaching local side Patoni next year. Um, look, mate. Obviously, you've got a lot of experience, but what are some of the challenges that you foresee coming back and coaching club rugby? I guess it's just getting the gauge of um, what the what the team's going to be like, what their skill set's going to be like, um, and just try and find ways of helping them. Uh, I see, you know, uh, as a coach, you've got to be able to teach someone something that they don't know, or you try and uh, tell them that although they might be good at one thing, there's something that in their game that's uh, letting them down. So, you know, you might not work on the uh, the thing that you're good at, you might just work on that one thing that's that you're bad at, and you forget forget that uh, the thing that you're good at, you you might not start, um, you might not, you know, maintain the the standard that you had. So, I guess it's just trying to have show them to have the right balance in terms of work, working on things. And um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, my grandfather will probably be happy. He's a Patoni man, so uh, he'll be happy that I'm because uh, he he did ask me uh, if I'd go over and play for the Tony. I said, oh. I'm pretty set at, set here at the moment, Pop, but uh, I'll be keen at, you know, if I wasn't going to hang up the boots, uh, I might try and play. If not, you know, this is always the coaching opportunity uh, at some stage if it does come up. And I, I guess, you know, when when uh, Jeremy asked me, I was, uh, you know, th- I thought about it. And I thought, well, actually, my grandfather's been bugging me for years to go and uh, play for Patoni. This is a, a great opportunity to, uh, you know, make him smile. So, yeah, I guess it's going to be a good challenge for myself going from uh, playing and uh, putting my playing cap uh, on the side and putting a coaching cap on. And, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of been preparing myself for the opportunity to uh, be a coach. You know, I've um, done a few uh, coaching clinics over the years. I've coached uh, Johnsonville Women's team for five years um, and enjoyed my time there, although... Women are a lot easier to coach because they always want to learn. As for men, try to act like they know everything, but they, yeah. <laughs> so you try and tell them something. Oh no, no, I already know that. I was like, mate, you don't know anything. Like, can you just listen to me as a coach? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I guess you know, doing that and being able to go to a few coaching clinics over the years in my time playing um, at it uh, in Waifu too, uh, with uh, coaching clinics that uh, Ken used to run. Um, you know, for age grade kids from. Like some eight to to twelve years old was was always awesome, you know. Seeing a lot of parents come over and bringing their kids, and um, you know we had Tana, uh, Norm Hewitt, you know, who'd, who'd come in Earl Vaa, and Ken would be there. Obviously, you'd expect him to do something, but typical home, he'd be sitting on the sideline making sure that we do everything. So he's a bit of a delegator, but uh, yeah, just those experiences uh, are, are quite helpful in terms of uh, you know resources and trying to adopt different uh, techniques and things like that over the years which is which will help me uh, in the long run uh, in terms of making sure I do the right job. And talking about Ken Laban mate you mentioned that picture earlier on it's quite a famous image of you letting letting Wanui out with Ken as the ball boy so you still catch up with Ken? I wouldn't say catch up <laughs> uh, it's more it's more uh, you've got to be here for this someone's going to ring you for this uh, I'm like Oh, when did this come about? I can't do it. So you, I've nominated you. I'm like, radio. 
So this is, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But no, I mean, like, uh, he's basically family uh, to us and um, his family, uh, you know, we always have like a, um, every second year we have a, a big family Christmas uh, where we organise sort of like four days um, of activities uh, and things like that. And obviously we're not doing it this year because his, um, his uh, son Hayden just got married on the weekend. And uh, so I guess everyone was just uh, spent majority of their time over the over the uh, over in Australia to uh, celebrate that, um, and majority of the family would have been there um, catching up then. But uh, I think we'll probably um, be doing a lot more, I guess, over in the summertime, spending more time with him and uh, him delegating uh, responsibilities to others uh, throughout throughout the course of the summer. <laughs> Mate, he'll be stoked to have you back because he's got a few more coaching courses and, oh. and clinics, kids clinics lined up for. For the summer, they're, they're an important part of uh, of, of Wellington rugby, mate. We um, old fucking Andy. Whoopsie days. There's old Andy over there chucked on social media. That might be talking to Pity Weapon if he wanted to have any questions. And he got hundreds of questions, but he's we've delicately selected um, appropriate questions and ones that we thought would be interesting. So uh, I'll, I'll take the first one. Sam Bell from Instagram asks if you could play one more game for the ABs. Who would it be against and why? Uh, if I had the chance, it would probably be against Australia, um, against uh, Will Guinea. Um I was lucky enough to uh, play against them over these, well, over my course of my time playing Super Rugby and for the ABs, and he's a great competitor. Uh, and to me, you know, when I was playing um, for the ABs, you know, he was the one guy that I always wanted to try and, you know, shut down uh, because he was a, a talented player and, uh, you know, sort of leading into the World Cup in 2011, the game in Brisbane, you know, he basically uh, turned that game around and we ended up losing to us, to the Wallabies, uh, you know, and I guess that's sort of when everything sort of changed uh, for us as, as a team, but, you know, for him, um, I'd probably say I'd if I was to get, play another game, it would be against the Wallabies and uh, against Wilginia. Another one from Instagram here, mate. This is Jackson Vander, and he asks, what is the funniest thing you've seen on the rugby field? Oh. Oh. Probably wouldn't say the funniest thing I've seen, but the funniest thing I've done, or myself and a few of my teammates, is we play games on the, like uh, stupid games on the field. Myself, Ma'a Namir, Andrew Hoare, Rodney Soyalo. Um, it's a stupid childhood game that, I don't know, maybe not so much now, but uh, we used to do the old, uh, that game on the field, where the old circle, and if you look at it, you've got a, you get a punch and a little cheeky wee uh, rub of the old shoulder wherever they punch you. We used to play that, so... I noticed Jerry Collins wasn't in that game. Was that on purpose? You didn't want him involved? Yep. <laughs> we probably wouldn't have had a shoulder after that. We probably would have, you know... But uh, I remember a lot of times when we were in the Canes, um, one of those guys would come over to me and, like, I'd be taking a very important, like, penalty kick uh, at something and they'll be like, pal, pal. And I'm like, what? Look up and they're bloody doing that stupid thing. And I'm like, bro, I'm trying to take a kick here, bro. And they're like, sweet ass. You know, just things like that. Uh, and, oh, actually, probably the funniest thing is probably seeing uh, – Thomas the Tank Engine's um, butt cheeks out at a moor, actually. That was pretty funny. Like, uh, But other than that, like in terms of funny stuff, you know, trying to relax on the on the 
on the field, those guys pretty much made it a lot funnier and a lot uh, more relaxing uh, doing those sort of things. Mate, the next one is all about uh, from Duncan Vandermeer Mace. Duncan Vandermeer Mace. How you cook your crayfish, or what's the best way? Oh, I, to be fair, I'm not really a big crayfish man. I'm more of a kinnaman power, but I like like to eat it raw. Um, but actually, if I was going to do it, I'd probably just uh, there's two ways I'll do it. I'll probably just put it in the in the pot, boil it, um, and then just let rip into that. But most of the, most of the time, I'm eating the I'm eating the body while everyone else in the family's eating the tail. <laughs> um, they eat all that stuff, and I eat the good stuff in the body and the, like around the head and all that. So, um, but there's another way to do it: cut it in half, a uh, bit of uh, cheese on it, and a bit of sweet chili. Chuck it in the oven for I don't know, maybe ten, fifteen minutes, and uh, she comes out pretty good, pretty good. It's a good one for summer. Hey, one from uh, Twitter now, mate. At Zamo asks, who is the hardest player you've ever had to tackle? Uh, I wonder if you've seen my highlights. It's probably in the Sky Sports, uh, uh, Sky highlights all the time, actually, of me getting uh, bunted off by Robbie Fruin. I made that silly comment uh, on uh, when uh, they did a little tribute to me the other day. That was pretty funny. Um, probably the hardest would probably be uh, Jerome or Tami Afuna. Um, but if I was to be on the opposite side, which I'm glad I never was, would probably be Jerry. I tell you, I, I was really glad that Robbie Fruin turned out to be an awesome rugby player because I marked him and he was only 17 still at school. And so I thought, sweet, playing against a school kid. And he ran past me about 10 times and scored four tries and bumped me off. He bumped other people off too. So when he, you know, when he made Super 12, I was texting the boys, he told you he was going to be awesome. He was big though, eh? He was... He's um, David Chung asked on Facebook, uh, "Would you, who would you like to reprise your role on Room Raiders with? Room Raiders, that was on, was that you and that CJ? CJ. So what did you want me to do? Who would I? Or would you like to reprise your role? Would yeah. you like oh, would again? you like to do it again? Sorry, I read the question wrong. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. That would be, be a crack up. Um, obviously, me and CJ, we planned a lot of, a lot of the uh, people that we uh, raided, like the rooms and stuff like that. Obviously, the the Frank's one was probably pretty funny because we knew um, how much of a uh, supplement man he is and how full on he is in terms of being strict with his regime of uh, eating um, at certain times of the day. Um, you know, then him and his brother, I think both of them would be up at about seven breakfast at quarter past seven. That's when they'd have their breakfast or and then they'd have another breakfast sort of on the bus to training. And I'm like, mate, what are you up to? I'm sh like, I'm a pork chop, come on, don't get me wrong, but like, what are you up to? But it'll be like, they'd have it pretty much set up. Um, and it's how they, that's how they structure their meals out a day. You know, they'll have snacks uh, pretty much set um, throughout the, the course of the day. Um, you know when to take their protein shakes or what supplements they can take um, that are all checked by the way uh, and, and uh, don't have uh, illegal substances in it but uh, yeah they'd always be quite strict so you know we we always try and bank on things that we know the boys are real hard out with so I, obviously with me he knew that I'd like a few bickies and uh, hide, have, a, have a secret stash somewhere 
So uh, we played on that, and you know, I, I knew he uh, enjoyed uh, eating uh, or drinking fizzy drinks and uh, eating uh, a few lollies. Um, so yeah, we, we always try and uh, plan things out quite well. And sometimes we catch a few of the boys out, just roam into their room and just raid. What, what are you up to, bro? Oh, nothing. <laughs> well, we're, we're coming to check what you're up to, bro. We're just going to see uh, what you've got uh, in their room. So we'd actually go into their room beforehand without them even knowing and stash some stuff. Did you ever have a? Did you ever annoy or play play tricks or games on Richard McCaw? Nah, didn't have the balls to do it. Plus, I didn't really know him that well. If he was, if it was, if 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 his role was Jerry's role, so if Jerry was the captain, I'd give it to Jerry. I'd make sure, like I'd probably do something that everyone doesn't entirely know, but a lot of people know that he does. Uh, I'd basically uh, bring it out in, in the room, Raiders and. Show everyone that oh, this is what Jerry likes to do on his downtime. <laughs> is, that, is that what you probably miss most about Jerry? Just is what he is off the field antics and his attitude to life. Oh uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, things that people didn't really get to see uh, with Jerry. You know, they all thought that he was this hard man out on the field, and um, when you see him on walking down the street, he looks like he's a hard man too. That's just him frowning. This is just resting face, to be honest. Um, but he's actually a great guy to talk to. Um, he he'll sit down and you know give up time just to talk to to anyone. Uh, that was the best thing about him. And you know he might be busy, but he'll always stop and uh, give up a bit of time just to chat to someone that might ask him a question, or you know uh, he'll feel comfortable that he'll just open up to them and you know give a bit of his time up to to chat to people. So that's probably a few things you know that that I uh, I miss about him, but. I'm just glad that you know don't have to sneak off at night to uh, after curfew and uh, go and uh, buy something that I'd never liked buying, which was which was uh, darts. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. <laughs> Mate, we'll we'll wrap up there. We'll, thank you so much for your time. You know you're you're busy tonight. You got the, the, the Wellington uh, semi-final versus Northland. You'll be on the sideline probably under Uncle Ken's directions. But mate, all the best for next year and congratulations on your retirement. Although. I've got money on that you'll be donning the boots for Petoni in the second round of the Jubilee Cup, you know, deep into the season and, you know, someone's injured or you've got two or three men down and you need someone to kick goals. So, mate, just just enjoy it. We, we've loved watching you grow up and play and um, and you've been a pretty special character in New Zealand rugby, so it's been awesome to be able to get the opportunity to have a chat with you today, mate. So I really appreciate it and thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. I've actually been uh, been looking forward to it. I know it's been a been a while to to organise, but uh, glad that I got the chance to uh, come on the podcast and uh, have a have a chin wag. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All the best for the future, mate. Cheers. Beautiful.